anything that I saw about MS, it was always Caucasian older women. So it was kind of depressing. It was like, how do I get help? I don't know if anything out there is going to help me because I didn't see it. That's my big push to get it out that there are people that look like you that can help you. Don't think that there's nobody out there. There is people out there to help you. Everyone has a story to tell, and we invite you to join us for the Multiple Sclerosis Diagnosis Journey podcast and listen to these unique stories. Greetings, everyone, and you're listening to the MS Diagnosis Journey podcast. I'm your host, Laura Koloskowski, and with me today, I have a special guest, Takara Carter, coming to us from Houston by way of Baton Rouge. Hi, Takara. Hi, Laura. I'm so glad you're willing to talk to us and share your experience with uh, getting your MS diagnosis. Just to start out, can you talk a little bit about what were those first symptoms that made you go to a doctor and say something is wrong? Yes, I started back in 2008. I was on a high. I was like feeling just perfectly fine because I'm in grad school. I finally made it to grad school. I'm getting my studies done and I'm proceeding to take my notes. And uh, then I, as I'm writing and then I tried to look up at the screen and my eye was hurting so bad. I was like, oh my goodness, what is this? I could not continue to write the notes and look up because it was so much pain. I didn't understand it. Then I had to go to urgent care. I had a good friend of mine who saw my issues, my anxieties, like maybe we should go. And I went to uh, urgent care and they did diagnose me as having optic neuritis. And from there, they uh, steered me to a neurologist. And from the neurologist, I had to have a spinal tap because they thought it may have been MS. But thank goodness, because I went to uh, uh, urgent care because I went to Texas A&M. So it's kind of connected with the university. So the the education and the research is kind of pinpointed there. So that made it easy for me to uh, kind of go from A to B. It wasn't a long, drawn out process. So from the um, neurologist, the spinal tap, and they gave me my final diagnosis as MS. That was something so interesting for me. And it sounds like it happened pretty fast for you. Yeah, thank goodness, because I was uh, at A&M that, you know, I've heard other things about some people have gone years and gone through several strike marks trying to get to the bottom of the problem. But because I was there, it was it was kind of like a, a quick turnaround for me, which was good. Yeah. And when you say it's important to point out when you say you went to urgent care, it wasn't just any old urgent care like we have around in shopping centers, but an urgent care there no. at Texas A&M that specialized in all sorts of things and had amazing resources available to look at people that came in. Exactly. And that was really a, um, a, a good a good light for me that that happened because um, I didn't really have to be drawn out with the anxiety and the anger of like, I'm feeling something. Nobody's figuring out what's going on. But I told them what was going on and they, they sent me immediately to a neurologist. And from there, that spinal tap, which uh, pinpointed uh, the complete diagnosis of MS. And then from there on, my world of 
curiosity and trying to understand what this is and how does this affect me? I don't have anyone in my family that is dealing with anything like this. I don't have any persons, no cancer, no, not anything. It's like, this is just kind of like a one and done in my family. And then especially because I'm a black woman, that really was a question mark in my head. Like, I just, the look on my face is like the bright eyes, like, huh? <laughs> so that, that was that for me. You know, you bring up because you're a black woman that uh, it was a little bit different experience for you. Can you talk about that a little bit? Was it because you didn't see other people like you with MS or you're saying you didn't know MS at all to begin with? So did not exactly. And the only thing, cause you know, I did, you do your whole WebMD look, and I was like, anything that I saw about MS, it was always Caucasian, older women. I was like, I'm neither one. So, well, younger, yeah, but Caucasian, no. <laughs> and I was just like, <laughs> I, I just was so just like a fumble of disbelief because, you know, that's not something that Black women, that we know that this disease, it does affect Black persons. But actually now as more research is being done, yes, it's actually been discovered that it does affect African-Americans more than what we ever thought. And then it seems that the disabilities, it happens quicker in my uh, demographics. So a lot of research, I feel like is starting to turn around and it's, it's being opened up to help other people that are black to realize that this diagnosis, it can happen to you. It's not what you thought that that's not something that could affect you when yes, it can. And it does. And I think those are all really important points to make to Cara, because when I was diagnosed in 2008 and I looked online at information, everyone I saw that with MS online looked like me, a middle-aged white woman. And I thought this disease was pretty exclusive to people who fit my demographics. And the more I learn, the more I recognize that this is a disease that doesn't discriminate. It picks on everybody. Yeah. And the course of disease, though, seems to be different for people of color. Yes. Yes. It seems to be like it's a little bit more like uh, the the decline is quicker in some of your physical like abilities of course walking and things of that sort is what I have come to learn more recently because I just chose to become a part of the ride council that is involved with trying to make sure that the word is being spread to those disenfranchised communities. Yeah, and for people who don't know, Ride Council is an offspring of a project I'm closely associated with, I Conquer MS, and Ride stands for Research, Inclusion, Diversity, and Equity. And it's a project that I'm extremely proud of that we're a part of trying to include everybody in this discussion about MS. That's the beautiful thing about it. And that that is because uh, to go back to the point, like I didn't see anybody that looked like me. So it was kind of depressing. It's like, where do I go? I don't see anybody that looks like me. How do I get help? I don't know if anything out there is going to help me because I didn't see it. That's why there's a big importance of seeing people 
that look like you get you the help that you need. That is very, very important because you're more likely to uh, want to do more research because I see somebody who may be able to relate to what I'm going through. So that's my big push. It's like to make sure that I get it out to everybody to let them know that there are people that look like you that can help you. Don't think that there's nobody out there for you because there there is people out there to help you. I think that's just such an important point. Well, in 2008 till this time, you've learned so much about navigating this diagnosis. Is there advice that you would offer to people who find themselves on the same journey that have not yet received official word that they have MS, but they kind of suspect they do? My point would be continue to do the research. Be persistent as to telling them what you are feeling, what are you feeling in your body, and make sure they are hearing what you're saying and taking that into consideration. Exhaust all the possibilities because they are just telling you one thing, but you you are feeling it in your body. So they need to draw some connections to what you're feeling and lead you to a diagnosis. Don't stop until you get a definite diagnosis. That's my biggest point. Don't don't let the medical field, because they have a MD, don't let that be a deterrent from getting your diagnosis and giving you a diagnosis. Be persistent. It's your body. You want an answer. Be persistent. And then when you do finally get that diagnosis, link up with some people, get you some support groups, be inclusive with others. They, they will help encourage you, support you. Don't ever feel like you are alone. That is one thing that I felt like I did. I didn't reach out. I felt like I was all in all by myself. But the sooner you can get support and you can share information and get support from people, it feels good to talk to somebody who's in your circle and who can relate to what you're going to. Talk to somebody else who understands what you're going through with a support group. That is so important. So important, I would say. Well, and I would say to the listeners, if they didn't pick up on your fire in your voice <laughs> and your enthusiasm for that message, they weren't paying attention because it comes through loud and clear that you're telling everyone to be sure to exhaust all possibilities, get the support, don't be alone because it feels good to know that you're not doing this by yourself. So yeah. I really want to thank you, Takar. You are so welcome. You've been listening to the MS Diagnosis Journey podcast here with Takara Carter. Thank you for joining me today. 